You're listening to the Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship Podcast from Summit 2019, with sessions from San Angelo State, New Mexico State, and Texas Tech University. We are so glad you're here, and we hope this message will encourage you and challenge you in your walk with the Lord. All right. How are y'all doing? Good? You're alive? Hi. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, whenever you're standing up here and talking for a lot, it gets really hot. So... I'm, I'm with you guys, so we'll, we'll we'll suffer together, and we'll bear through it, and we'll have a good time while doing it. So, we're going to talk about uh, under authority, or spiritual authority as it is, but I'm calling it under authority, uh, and we're going to talk about the man Jesus marveled at, which is an insane big deal. Yeah. So, uh, it all starts in Luke 7, 1 through 10. So, after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, this is Jesus, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you to do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with him. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under, set under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, saying, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent Returned to the house, they found the servant well. Sweet story. Sweet, sweet. Uh, Joshua, can you um, close the door? Yeah. Sorry. That's all I was. So, um, tonight, or today, today, I am going to confess some things about myself, uh, especially for those who don't know me. First of all, if I haven't introduced myself, my name is Michael Winters. Uh, and I am here to confess that I am accident prone. And this, and I can be led to, into disobedience for a chance of adventure. So this started really early on in my life. My parents had probably told my stepbrother and I to not wrestle. A hundred, hundreds of times in the house. Well, my parents went on a date and my poor stepsister had to babysit us for the first time. So what do we do? We wrestled. We wrestled in, uh, in our bedroom. Uh, we wanted to recreate our favorite wrestling moves on each other. And this was the early 90s. So this is when wrestling was probably at its peak uh, with Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so, can I um, 
I want to get someone in the audience. I need, I need, I want to show you what had happened to me. Anybody want to volunteer? Okay, Levitz, come here. Okay. <laughs> You're obviously not my brother. And so, but I, we, we decided that we wanted to be, uh, recreate Hulk Hogan. I want to be Hulk Hogan. He wanted to be Hulk Hogan. And so we wrestled, and I was like, dude, I'm Hulk Hogan, bro. What? No, I'm a Hulk Hogan. And then I run, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch him with a, a leg. And you duck. I'm just stuck. And then, bam. And I flip over. <laughs> and I flip over, and I hit my head on my bed. Ooh. And it was the wood part of my bed. Oh. <laughs> and I went to the hospital on my first time I my, my sister babysit us <laughs> with eight stitches in my head. And uh, needless to say, this is the first of many incidents, mainly all involving my head. <laughs> my head is a tractor beam for a lot of things. <laughs> and, and I've gotten stitches two other times in there and so but I haven't broken anything so that's a good thing <laughs> so so yes I I am very accident prone but if I had listened to my parents to not wrestle in the house I would be I would have seven stitches less than what I have now <laughs> so my my, my brothers and I's disobedience led to my injuries. So, it's a very sad thing. So we, and this is what the challenging part of the centurion is, that we're going to look at the most obedient person that Jesus ever saw, which is really crazy. And so, I need more participation, guys. Who here is disciplined at time management. Raise your hands. Okay, more than last time. Okay, good. Okay, who here is disciplined at studying? Okay, y'all are being really honest, so that's great. So, little less that time. Okay, who is part of military or has family in the military? Okay, there's a lot. Some, some of those didn't translate into your studies or your time management. This <laughs> will have to work on that, or your, your family will have to work on that. So, in the military, do you have to rely uh, on others above you to do their job and submit to them in, uh, for everything to run well in the military? Yes. Right? Yes. You do. Because if you don't, then... It's you're gonna get fired quite quite fast or kicked out. So, last question. This is probably um, one of the most revealing ones. Who here has felt betrayed by people in authority over you? Man, that's a lot of them. Do you know whose hand would be raised as well for this? God's. Lucifer led a rebellion against him Jesus was betrayed twice Peter and Judas both of his good friends so he is there with you 
So, but yet, Jesus and the centurion, um, we're going to talk about why it is biblical to trust and submit to others above you. So, here are three key components that we're going to dissect today. We must welcome authority. We must love our authority. And we must honor our authority to others. So, God desires obedience over sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15, 22. In order for us to continue, you must realize God is our ultimate authority and it is all based around him. We see disobedience displayed the most in the interaction of uh, with the centurion and Jesus. So, we come to the centurion, who is one of the most disciplined uh, people of this time. And uh, I'm going to give you some of the, the qualifications to see what a centurion's like. Okay? So, centurion had to be literate. Makes sense. He has to read orders. He has to uh, have connections to like get letters of recommendations, that sort of thing. He had to be at least 30 years of age and have already served in the military for a few years. So, the centurion in the infantry is chosen for his size, uh, strength, and dexterity, and uh, in throwing missile weapons, so like spears and stuff, which is really cool. I've always wanted to throw a spear, but I don't think that people... And then uh, also for his skills in the use of the sword and the shield. So that makes sense. So he is to be vigilant, temperate, active, and ready to execute orders, the orders he receives, than to talk. So he's all about executing everything needed than to talk with others. Strict in exercising and keeping up proper discipline amongst, among his soldiers and obliging them to appear clean and well-dressed, and to have their arms constantly rubbed and bright. Because Romans didn't want to be the best-kept best army. So, this man is one of the best soldiers in the army of the Romans, which, at the time, was the best army in the world. Yet, he welcomed leadership, which is really crazy. The centurion welcomed leadership, and you can tell this through the interactions with Jesus and how he didn't degrade any of the other leaders. He never talked about anybody else. The centurion, through his friends, said something quite powerful. Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Now let's break down this, what the first word he said. He called him Lord. For a person that is in the Roman army, and not referring to the emperor, this is treason. So he could be put to death for this. So the Roman soldier knew Jesus as Lord, whom, and he had probably seen Jesus before, uh, earlier in his ministry in Capernaum, and he's now calling him Lord. The centurion welcomed Jesus as the authority in his life. When he referred to him as Lord, his friends follow up this statement with talking about how he is not worthy 
of coming under his roof. He welcomed the leadership of Jesus and knew how important Jesus was by announcing him to his friends. Isn't that crazy? Who, in return, spoke to Jesus about his servant. So he was already proclaiming Jesus as Lord to his friends, this Roman guy. The centurion embraced Jesus as Lord, and when, when there were so many people that rebelled against Jesus. Now, there is a tendency in our rebellious nature to not embrace people above us and to look for any and all faults in them, to complain about them, to exploit them, or to get them fired. Once you say that's true, yeah? Okay, there is this great show, great scene in the show Office. Has anybody not seen The Office before? Raise your hands. Okay, I'll explain it to you guys. So The Office uh, is about this, this manager known as Michael Scott, and he is a manager of a paper company known as Dunder Mifflin, and his uh, two uh, people that are the closest to him as far as like rank, but also friends, are um, Dwight and Jim. Dwight and Jim are frenemies. They are friends, but uh, they're also enemies because they prank each other and they get on each other's nerves. So, with that being said, you could probably see all... Jim is seeking this higher position and is offered a manager position. So, here's what happens in this scene. Work like this. Hello. Yes. You got Jim there with you? No, it's just us. Actually, can you call Jim in? I want him on then. Please. Oh. Oh, well, here he is right now. Come in. Hi, David. Hey, guys. So, I spoke to Alan. We had kind of an unconventional idea, which I think is pretty cool, but it only works if everyone's on board. Well, just as long as it means Jim becomes a manager. We were thinking of having two branch managers in Scranton, both of you guys working as co-managers. Jim would handle the day-to-day, and Michael, you would focus on clients and big-picture stuff. Wow, sounds pretty cool. I like that. So, manager and co-manager. Co-manager and co-manager. See, there are a lot of moving pieces, and this is the only way I can sell it upstairs. Well, that might be a little confusing for people because they know me as manager. Everybody, David Wallace and I have talked, and we have decided to promote Jim to the position of co-manager. Co-manager of what? Of your butt. And your butt, and your butt, and your butt, all of the Scranton Branch butts. What's happening to you, Michael? What's happening to me? I am also being promoted to co-manager. We will be co-managers together. Jim Halpert, welcome. Thank you. Ah! <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so I hope for those who haven't seen the show, they should watch it before it leaves Netflix very soon. Um, so Michael had the chance to let go of Jim to go somewhere else or embrace being a co-manager, which, as you can look at it, is a demotion. And yet, he didn't badmouth anyone, just made it normal. In fact, he said he got promoted. <laughs> Be honest with yourself. How would you have handled this situation? Now, another question that's more pointed and more real to you guys. Do you welcome your small group leader and the staff of Chi Alpha as the Roman Centurion welcome Jesus. A key part of welcoming and welcoming is how you choose for the greater good for them, God and his kingdom. Which brings us to the next point, to love our authority. Love is unselfishly choosing for the greater good of God and his kingdom. So if we say that we love God, we must choose for the greater good of our leaders, like the ones, uh, like the ones that lead us in, in growing closer to Jesus. The centurion showed his love for Jesus in a very different way by saying this, Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. He showed his love for Jesus, recognizing and knowing the authority of Jesus to do powerful things, whether he sees the servant or not. Pretty cool. One of my favorite old dead guys, uh, C.H. Spurgeon, highly recommend looking up some servants of his. He said this about the, about the centurion. This officer could see about the person of Christ the marks of him as being commissioned by God. By some means, I know not how, he had arrived at this very safe and true conclusion that Jesus Christ was acting under the authority of the great God who made heaven and earth. And he looked at him Therefore, under that aspect, as duly authorized and commissioned for his work. The centurion saw that Jesus was appointed by God, and therefore had the power of God in him to heal his servant. What happens if we decide to rebel against his authorities? A great author, Watchman Nee, said this, wrote this, in his great book, Spiritual Authority, which I highly recommend, he wrote this, Those who reject his servants reject him. It is impossible for us to hearken to God, to God's word, and not to the words of his delegates. In order for us to be faithful and obedient followers of Jesus, we must respect and love our leaders. So let's get practical. This is where I need audience participation. How do we love the people that are our leaders? <coughs> How do we love them? Any ideas, people? 
ladies and gents. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, really good. Do you have anything or you just float with us? I would say, well, both. Okay. You can show them your love, and just like you show everybody your love, and how respect you can, and treat them the way you like to treat Yeah, yeah, that's great. Love your neighbor as yourself, basically. Yeah, it's really good. Anything else? Talk about them behind their back in an uplifting way. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone was like, what? <laughs> I, I call that reverse gossip. That's what I call it. Reverse gossip. Cool. Any other thoughts you'll have? Okay. We're going to go over uh, some, some other thoughts I had. Find their love language. Okay. Anybody know what love language is? All right, I'll share them with you, and hopefully I remember this, Josh, yeah. if you can catch me. Uh, words of affirmation, uh, acts of service, gifts, uh, physical touch, and quality time. Yes. So, so we should try to figure out what they love the most and do that. You know, if... If you're scared, if you're if yours is like the opposite, like physical touch. If you're like, I don't want anybody to touch me, <laughs> then you you and but your leader is, is physical touch. Then you try to like make slow steps and just like maybe like a side hug or like a something that is out of your comfort zone, but not like and you just slowly try to like, okay, I'll just do this. It's weird, but I'm just gonna Give him a sign up. Okay. All right. Just want to show you I love you, man. And that, but so you try to go out of your way, even if it's inconvenient, to show that you love them. Uh, you trust what they say to you, because I will almost guarantee that all of them, all of it's backed up in the Bible. And then you speak highly of them. That's what Josh said. So. This brings us to uh, the third point. Honoring our authority to others. So, the unique thing about this, about this centurion is that he honored other authorities besides his own. I don't know if you caught that. When this, in, this is from, uh, this is in, in the same text. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders Elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy. Oh no, I think the battery just died. Oh, battery just died. No. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. All right, uh, and when they came to him, to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. Uh, so the Jewish, uh, the Jewish rulers uh, were so honored by him, uh, by this centurion, that... 
by this that um, because he says he loves our nation and he built the synagogue for them. The Jewish rulers were focused on the outward deeds of the centurion, but it puts into perspective how he respected other others that were in authority. So um, I want to share with you guys something, if I can get this to work on my phone. Y'all have any questions yet? Any thoughts? Okay. All right. So, uh, huh? The fly swatter? Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I want to show y'all some photos. Okay. So, huh? No. But, okay. So, uh, do you know that God orchestrated you to have a leader over you for a specific reason? Do you know this? So, um, I'll share with you this crazy story. Of, uh, I've been involved in the leadership of Chi Alpha for over a decade. So that means I've basically been a smart leader slash intern slash staff, all sorts of things since about 2007. And I got saved in 2003. So, so with that being said, I came to Kaifa at New Mexico State at the end of year zero, which is in 2013, with Alex and Abby Rodriguez. We were going as um, going strong as a team for a while, but then our staff team changed a whole lot. So much so that Alex and Abby uh, moved to Springfield, Missouri, and to work with. The, the AG, the Assemblies of God for Chi Alpha. So they're, they're now traveling all over the world and uh, sharing about Chi Alpha. And so we found out about this and that a newer member of our staff is going to be groomed to lead Chi Alpha and MSU. My wife and I had a decision to make. Whether we leave and do something else like Pioneer Chi Alpha or stay for longer here. By this time, all our friends from Sam Houston, which if we had this picture, we had we had 14 people <coughs> on our staff, and they're all from Sam Houston. And there was one girl from NMSU, but it was a huge staff. And now it's just my wife and I. And then we have two girls at our staff, and then Taylor and his wife, Robin. So we are the only people left from San Houston State. They have all left and gone back, gone uh, to do other things. So my good friend, Taylor, who you probably saw up there, Taylor Cruz, is now our interim leader. And I don't think he was even in high school when I graduated college. That gives you an idea. If I, 
Yeah, that's how I think he was probably in middle school, actually. He has, but with all that being said, he has shown me so many good and different things that has helped me to grow in the Lord and in discipling others. So we had to choose to stay, and we are so much better for it, even when it's really challenging. So you have this choice to either uplift everything that is good in your leader or to not talk to others about him or her or to talk badly about him or her and to only focus on your perceived negatives about them. I know your leaders in Kaiapha are always looking out for what's best for Jesus to move on the campus and to move in you. So, there are some big ramifications for whatever choice you make. So, let's talk about it. What happens if you uplift your leader in their character or something you see in them that the Lord has done? What happens? People what? You're building them up. Yeah, building them up. Okay. What other stuff? You're building your relationship with them. Yes. Very true. Okay. Anything else? You create a positive environment. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And you also create positivity when people think of Kaiapa, when people think of the people that are leading you. Yeah, um, I'll say this uh, for about for every person that is on this earth, they have a little sliver of the kingdom of God in them. Our job is to find what that little sliver is and just uplift it all the way. Uplift that and not uplift anything else because. And your leader has a lot more of that, a lot more of the kingdom of God in them. So we find that and we uplift that. And um, what's cool about that is if if you continue to uplift what's going on in their lives, not only does it give others an idea, it makes it uplifts your leader into like, oh man, I want to try to get better. I want to, I want to, I want to do that more. I want to try to do that more because. Obviously, people say, think it's good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. So, all right. So, last part. What happens if you go around talking about the negative things in your leader? <clears throat> so close. Okay. All right. I'm just going to call on people in the back. Christina, what happens if you, if you, Talk negatively about people. You're painting a bad image of them and taking away your respect for them. If other people are hearing you speak about them, then they're gonna only have your perception of, or they're only gonna have the image that you painted of them and yeah. not respect what they have. Awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Anybody else have any other thoughts? That's so good. You probably become David. 
Become bitter. Yeah. 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 And you, um, and I, I, I don't know if you've met people like this, but like those who seek negativity bring, bring others with them. And so, you know, you know, uh, wow, there's like a saying, it's like, um, Abel always wants to bring others into it or something like that. Uh, yeah, you always want to bring others into it whenever you're um, not liking someone. Yes? There's a saying for like my old basketball team. We used to say, um, contribute, don't contaminate, because like the girls on the team were like really negative all the time. And that would make us like as a whole just like not as good. Yeah. So that's just a yeah. thought. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, I just thought of a cool, uh, cool study. They, they got a, um, maybe y'all have heard this before, they, they got like um, some snowflakes and they put, them, they put them in different containers and they like kept it cool and everything to where it can still thrive. And, but everyone, like you'd either speak words of affirmation or words of uh, negativity. And it's really crazy how this works out. When you speak words of affirmation, like it is the most crystal, beautiful thing ever. It's like perfect. And they just kept on saying good words. You're beautiful. You're you're so crystal. You're so pure. And then the other one, they just spoke words of negativity. And like it just became dark and dirty and gross. Y'all should look it up whenever you get done with this. It's really cool. Even nature inhibits to the words like so that is the power of words so um, as we get ready to finish i want to address something to you guys um, that are either leaders right now or god is calling you to be a a leader of men or women watchman Nee says there are three essential requirements to be in a delegated authority and i will go over this a lot since we don't have powerpoint so I'll try to repeat as much as possible. Number one, he or she must know all authority comes from God. He or she must know all authority comes from God. Those in authority are responsible to instruct young believers in the knowledge of God's will. No one is able to be God's delegated authority unless he has learned to obey God's authority and understand his will. No one is able to be God's delegated authority unless he has learned to obey God's authority and understand his will. He or she must deny himself. That's number two. He or she must deny himself. God calls us to represent his authority, not to substitute his authority. God calls us to represent his authority, not to substitute his authority. The basic requirement for being God's delegated authority is to entertain no thought or opinion in oneself. Okay, you all following with me? You good? Okay. Number three. 
he or she must constantly keep in fellowship with the Lord. He or she must constantly keep in fellowship with the Lord. The nearer one is to the Lord, the clearer he sees his own fault. The nearer one is to the Lord, the clearer he sees his own fault. Authority is representative in nature, not inherent. Does that make sense? This means that one must live before God, learning and being wounded so as not to project oneself into it. Okay. Y'all have any questions? Y'all have anything I need to repeat? Yes. He or she must constantly keep in fellowship with the Lord. The nearer one is to the Lord, the clearer he sees his own fault. Authority is representative in nature, not inherent. This means that one must live before God, learning and being wounded, wounded so as not to project oneself into it. Okay. Anything else? Okay. We must bring a kingdom culture instead of a worldly culture to this earth. That is what the Lord is wanting. <coughs> a kingdom culture welcomes, loves, and honors their leaders to, to others. We must be a com community founded upon obedience and authority. If our community strives for this, the kingdom of God will grow and at the end of it all, Jesus will marvel at us and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that crazy? Jesus will marvel at us, just like he did with the centurion. I look forward to that day. So, we got a little bit of time. We are going to be proactive in this right now. Will you write a letter to your spiritual authority thanking them for their role in their lives? And if you feel like you need to apologize for something you did, do that as well. So we're going to take some time. I'm going to finish up one more letter that I wrote that I need to write. And so take some time and write it out. Thanks for listening to this Chi Alpha podcast from Summit 2019. Be sure to check out the rest of the sessions, and we'll see you next year. Chi Alpha, baby!